0: Auto Canada, the conspiracy show with Richard Seren. Hey friends, thanks for inviting me into your home and thanks for your ears. I'm also gonna thank you in advance for your voices because it's open lines for the next half hour. Open lines. Rosemary Ellen Guiley will uh, join me after the break at the bottom of the hour uh, for our monthly Paranormal News Roundup. Rosemary has uh, come prepared with about four or so truly remarkable stories, including a report from forensic experts in Great Britain who say they've been able to pinpoint, get this, they're able to pinpoint the actual street, the actual street where Jack the Ripper lived. They've nailed it down. Not only to the neighborhood, but the street. And I uh, will also discuss with uh, Rosemary this worldwide phenomenon uh, that's driving people mad, quite, quite literally. This mysterious hum. It's an audible humming noise. And nobody, I mean nobody, has been able to identify what's causing it. It's not tinnitus. I remember uh last summer there were a number of uh, reports about this humming sound down Windsor Way in the Windsor Detroit area but it's worldwide and uh I noted with interest that a number of newspapers in Great Britain the London Daily Mirror and the Daily Mail over there talking about this humming uh hum humming sound that is uh just as I say keeping people up at night it's making them physically ill So hopefully we'll get to the bottom of of, of that with Rosemary Ellen Guiley, our paranormal investigator and regular contributor to The Conspiracy Show, who joins us, as I say, in about a half hour or so. Just a reminder again, Season 3 of The Conspiracy Show, the television program, debuts August 11th, 10 p.m. Eastern, across Canada on Vision TV. And again, let me remind you about the Dead Drop newsletter. Issue number three will be published in just a few days, and you can subscribe to the Dead Drop for free. It's fast and easy. Just go to richardserat.com, click on the Member Area Login button. It's blue, Member Area Login. It's a blue button located on the left-hand side of the website near the top. Fill out the required fields, prove you're a human being, and uh, you'll receive a confirmation email. And if you don't get a confirmation email, check your spam folder. It's probably in there anyway once you've done that you're registered uh, a registered member of RichardSarrett.com, and now now you've got access to special members areas uh, members only areas on the website and you'll get the the newsletter the dead drop newsletter delivered to you in your inbox all right let's get this party started you me and the telephone for the next half hour and here are the numbers you should have these on a piece of paper in a ma- you know with a magnet to your fridge door if you don't already. 416 360 0740. 416 360 0740. Next week marks the 45th anniversary of the Apollo 11 moon landing. So we can talk about that if you want because that debate rages on. Was it a hoax? <clears throat> Uh, not sure if you caught it, but uh, earlier this week, Buzz Aldrin, who was the second man to set foot on the uh, the moon, says uh, uh, now admits he saw a uFO during the apollo eleven mission but but don't get too excited because Buzz was reluctant to describe the sighting as being of an extraterrestrial spaceship. He told a question and answer session. Quote, I observed a light out the window that appeared to be moving alongside us. There were many explanations of what that could be, other than another spacecraft from another country or another world. It was either, this is Buzz talking now, it was either the rocket we had separated from, or the four panels that moved away when we extracted the lander from the rocket, and we were nose-to-nose with the two spacecraft. So in the close vicinity, moving away were four panels. And I feel absolutely convinced that we were looking at the sun reflected off of one of these panels. Which one? I don't know. So technically, so technically, Buzz went on to say, the definition could be unidentified. So Buzz is, uh, you know, causing a, a lot of great excitement in the UFO community. And they're saying, aha, Buzz Aldrin has finally admitted he saw a UFO. Not so. Not so. He's saying technically it's unidentified because I can't tell whether it was the, the rocket we'd separated from or whether it was the four panels that moved away when we extracted the lander from the rocket. You know, uh, anyway, that, that's, uh, that's Buzz Aldrin. Uh, if you want to weigh in on the, uh, the lunar landing 45 years ago and whether or not it was a hoax, you can certainly do that. Uh, a number of, of people have been uh, tweeting me recently asking for a program about Bigfoot. I said yes, I, I, re, I responded to those tweets and I said I will put together a program on Bigfoot and uh, believe me, I'm not ignoring you. I am working on just such a program. In fact, uh, I sent out an email today uh, to an Ontario uh, Bigfoot research group asking them to come on the show and I just received a reply from the administrator, someone named Peter with Ontario Bigfoot and he's up on his, uh, up at his cottage, uh, all through August, on Algonquin Park, and uh, I think we're going to get uh, we're going to we're going to make that happen because there have been a number, a number of interesting reports coming out of Algonquin Park, just a stone's throw from here. Well, a few hours drive, but Bigfoot sightings in Algonquin Park, and you'd be surprised the number of sightings in in, in Ontario. So we will do a Sasquatch show, a Bigfoot show, uh, as it relates to Ontario. And uh, we'll, we'll bring that to you in the next couple of weeks. All right, let's go to the phones. And uh, we have up first, joining us, uh, Fred, who is uh, calling from Humble, Texas. Fred, welcome to The Conspiracy Show. Thank you for having me on. I I, I do appreciate it. Uh, my pleasure. Now, uh, Humble, I happen to know, is not too far from Houston. Uh, you're up in sort of the northeastern part of Houston. Is that right?
1: Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Oh. Uh, just uh, just a little bit north on 59.
0: There you go. Uh, coming out of Houston. All right. So, Fred, what's on your mind?
1: Well, what I was calling about was it, it's, it's been kind of bothering me a little bit because I, I'm ex-military, and uh, I was a 14 Juliet, and I was part of the uh, the JTAGS program, which deals kind of with with a lot of the stuff that was part of the Star Wars program. JTAGS. Uh, yes, sir. Oh. Uh, it's at uh, the Joint Tactical Ground Station that's right. what it stands for.
0: Okay. And you were in active duty for how long? I was in active duty for four years. Four years. All right.
1: And what what it is what it, what that is? It's part of air defense, and uh, we used uh, satellites and ground-based radar to uh, track any any aircraft or like missiles or anything else that was like a uh, that was unidentified or or identified that we knew was flying around. Because like all aircraft, uh, they submit like a flight plan or anything like that, and so. But well, whenever they do that, we get that information, and that gets put into our system so that way we can identify, like any aircraft that's flying around, so that way there's no unidentified aircraft, so that way we don't have to worry about it.
0: And you're tracking everything uh, everything, everywhere, essentially. Yes, sir, yes, sir. It, it, and it's a global,
1: so, so it doesn't matter like where it's at. We are actually tracking it, and if something deviates from that flight plan, then that's whenever we start to worry about it.
0: Okay, I think I know where you're heading uh, with this, and we've sort of uh, – uh, we've. we've We've sort of uh, forgotten about um, uh, Flight 370, and I'm guessing that's where you're going.
1: Yes, sir. Yes, sir.
0: All right. Because when was that? March? March of this year? So it's uh, over three and a half months. Yes, sir. Four and a half months now since uh, flight, Malaysian Flight 370 uh, disappeared. Uh, so, what, so what you're saying is using this technology, there's no way, no how. Somebody didn't know exactly where that plane went.
1: Yes, uh, like they could track it down to within just the, like a couple feet of where where it was at at all times.
0: Okay, and what is your uh, what is your uh, like what, a, uh, what my your theory? theory your what is that, your theory? I guess is what I'm asking, Fred.
1: The the, uh, the that the U.S. military knows exactly where it's at. Like it, if it would have crashed in, in the ocean, they would have uh, you know like like I told the uh, the the media and everybody else exactly where it's at, so that way they could help bring the families to rest but with all the uh the government scientists and and military personnel that happened to be on that plane that uh that disappeared and then they don't know what they said they don't know where it's at and uh, it's my belief that it's part of a they're going to be using it for a false flag uh, terrorist event like uh, maybe to since uh, you're coming out with ISIS right now which is being backed by the CIA and like in a uh, through covert uh you know tunnels and stuff like that that uh what they're going to end up doing is using this plane here is that, to perpetrate a terrorist attack and blame it on Isis so that way the, uh, another war can be perpetrated right or some other uh, uh, like some other agenda could be uh, pushed through
0: well this is not the, the first time've I've heard this this uh, theory and and um, you know when you look at the payload uh, of that aircraft this it's a it's a Boeing triple uh, seven right yes. So the, the 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 payload, you look at the when it's fully fueled, how far that thing could fly, uh the maneuverability and so forth. It's it, it, it certainly ticks all the boxes uh if some group wanted to deliver some sort of a payload, I don't know, dirty nuclear material, uh even a small nuclear device. In fact when you're talking about uh, creating an EMP event, sometimes the smaller the better. Bigger is not better when it comes to creating EMPs. So, um, well, th- well, tell me more. I mean, where do you think it is, Diego Garcia?
1: Uh, well, well, it's uh, my opinion that it, it, it's probably over, like somewhere over in, in, in like a deserted part of Africa, where there's uh, like nobody would have been able to see just a plane coming flying in because they wouldn't. There was nobody around to see it come in.
0: Well, I've heard Somalia. There are lots of yeah. um, one of the one of the the criticisms that I've heard directed at this argument that it was commandeered was, well, where are you going to land a 777? You can't just put those things down anywhere. They they dis, they, they they demand a very long airfield. Uh, mm-hmm. But if you go and check Google Earth, there are ton, not tons, but there are plenty of very long runways, uh, airstrips, airfields in in a place like Somalia, which is essentially. Lawless. I mean, you could land there, and, and no one would really pay much attention.
1: Yeah, like uh, when the U.S. was over there, we built airfields.
0: That's right, that's right.
1: I could be able to to land that plane that was there.
0: Well, Fred, all I can say is I pray, I prayed, almighty God, that you are wrong about this. However, I, um, I suspect that there is some credence to it. You know, uh, I always found it interesting, Diego Garcia, this joint U.S.-British Air Force um, um, outpost, in the South Pacific, they claimed that their radar was shut off. How convenient on that day. Uh, so they weren't able to track Flight 370. Um, I just, I always found that suspicious. But, um, Fred, I appreciate the call and thank you. Uh, no problem, Terry, and thank you for having me on. Fred, checking in from Humble, Texas. More of your calls, open lines to the bottom of the hour here on The Conspiracy Show. My name is Richard Serend. Stay a while, won't you?
2: Providing the
0: evidence and letting you draw your own conclusions. This is The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett. Earlier I mentioned the the supermoon. wondering if you saw it, number one, what it looked like. And uh, it's spectacular, right? uh, If you've ever seen a supermoon, you just feel like you could reach out and touch it. This big bouncy yellow ball. Uh, really a sight to behold. And we've got two more coming our way this summer. I believe the next one is in uh August. Let's see here. Let me consult my uh, my guide here. August the 10th. The next one is scheduled for August the 10th and September the 9th. And I mentioned earlier as well that I've had major sleep disruption over the last several days, starting around Thursday, Friday, and especially Saturday. And I'm wondering if you experienced the, th- the same thing because there's been this age-old debate whether or not our moods and our sleeping patterns can be affected by the moon. And, of course, you know, we all know we're somewhere between, I've heard anywhere from 50 to 75 to 85 percent water. And, of course, the moon has an influence over water. So if the human body is made up of water, then obviously it would stand a reason it would have an effect on us. Have you, been, have you had your sleep disrupted by a supermoon? Let me throw that out there as well. Uh, in the meantime, let's welcome Brad in Collingwood. Good morning, Brad. Welcome to the Conspiracy Show.
1: Uh, good morning. How are you?
0: I'm well, sir. How are you? I'm doing well. Up in Collingwood, site of the uh, the Elvis Festival that's uh, coming, up, uh, coming up very quickly.
1: Yeah, I try to avoid the town during
0: that time. <laughs> you do, do you? Okay. All righty. I'll be, I, I, I head up to uh, the Collingwood in Wasaga Beach about, um, oh, at least half a dozen times a year. We'll be heading up next week with the boys because, uh, uh, what can you say, Wasaga Beach, the longest freshwater beach in the world, I believe.
2: Yeah,
1: it, it is a great spot, and uh, I, I actually thought of you the first, uh, when when I experienced this this past weekend, I, I thought of you because I knew that you like to go to the beach area, so I thought it would interest you, so...
0: All right, I understand that you have um, a UFO sighting up that way.
1: Well, yeah, it's, uh, it was uh, an, ex- an odd experience, let's put it that way. I uh, was traveling home from work Saturday evening about 10.30, and I uh, noticed a large group of red, orange glowing orbs, balls, um, hard to determine how big they were. I would say probably about the size of basketballs, beach balls, um, traveling over the highway, right over, right overhead.
0: This is uh, and, uh, number 26.
1: Yes, Highway 26, that's right. And um, I, I pulled over immediately and got out and uh, tried recording. And the whole time that this was happening, I thought I was recording. In the end, it turned out that my recording didn't work, even though... While I was recording, I could see the numbers, and, and it could just have been a mistake, but I'm pretty sure I was recording the whole time. But on playback, it won't work. So, um, that in itself was kind of strange. However, um, these, these balls traveled, these orbs traveled right overhead. There's lots of traffic. N- nobody seemed to be that interested in, in them. Nobody slowed down, no brake lights, no nothing, but they were playing as day. They were, uh, they were very odd, and uh, so that kind of uh, made me wonder as well. With n- nobody concerned with them. Maybe I was <laughs> seeing things, but they were definitely there.
0: Okay, and, and you say there were about five or six of them, and they formed a triangle?
1: Well, yeah, and it's hard for me to tell if the triangle was – if it was four or five or six um, orbs creating a triangle or if it was in formation – Or if they were individuals and it just happened to be that they were in the shape of a triangle, it's really hard for me to say that, but they definitely were traveling in uniform. There was no deviation. There was no, they were all traveling the same speed, same line and, and no, no deviation in, in brightness, in, in speed, uh, nothing like that. So they actually traveled over the horizon and I was pretty disappointed because that was just I just got recording, I just got the car stopped and then all of a sudden three more in almost a straight line were behind it and went right overhead, right over top of where I was standing.
0: Were they making any sound?
1: Nothing. No sound. Couldn't hear anything. No no buzzing or fizzing, no nothing. And the three that the three that followed, the last three that went over top were close. They could. They were putting off a, a glow, uh, illuminating the. Um, there's an overpass very close to where I parked, and and you could see the, the glow off the overpass. And they were within a couple hundred feet, I would say, of where I was standing. So
0: and it, uh, what kind of a light? I mean, were the, how bright were they? I mean, were they were they illuminating any of the surrounding areas?
1: Well, when they went over the trees when they when they went uh, over the horizon, the, the trees in the horizon, I guess which weren't that far from me actually so when when they went out of sight, you could see the tops of the trees being illuminated by them, but just a little bit it wasn't like a, a spotlight or a light, it was more of a glow mm-hmm. and it was just casting a little bit of light, but there was there definitely was a a, a glow.
0: And and how would we rule out something like, let's say, a Chinese lantern, Uh, for example, Brad? How do you know that these weren't Chinese lanterns just blowing in the breeze?
1: Well, uh, my my explanation of that is I've dealt with Chinese lanterns a little bit, and the glow that they put off does, depending on the wind, the breeze, they do flicker. Right. These had no flicker to them. They were constant, um, constant glow the entire time. And... As I was standing there, when I thought I was recording this video, um, I was narrating the whole time, and the wind was in my face, and these were traveling uh, east to west kind of away from me, um, opposite not opposite direction, but not with the wind.
0: Not with the wind, okay.
1: Yeah, the wind was gusty. There was no constant breeze, and these things moved at a constant speed.
0: Interesting. Okay, so they were traveling not against the wind, but they certainly weren't traveling with the wind. No, uh, absolutely not. Okay, well, let, you know what? We, we just have a few moments yet uh, left in the uh, in, in the hour, or in the segment, rather, before Rosemary Ellen Guiley joins us. But let's just put that call out there. Anyone listening who was up in the Collingwood, uh, let's see, between Collingwood and Stainer, uh, Highway 26, uh, Saturday night, what, about 10 o'clock, did you say?
1: About 10.30 is 1030.
0: when I... Okay, and uh, about a half dozen orange, red, glowing orbs, 10.30. What direction were they moving again, Brad? East to
1: west, almost directly east to west.
0: East to west. along. Uh, okay, as you're driving along Highway 26 between yeah. Stainer and Collingwood, Saturday night, 10.30 p.m. All right, well, let's just, and if if you've seen anything, if you saw anything, would love to hear from you. Uh, you can email me. Contact me through the website, richardserat.com, or we have a few moments. We've got about, uh, I don't know, six, seven minutes. We'd love to hear from anyone living in that area, 416-360-0740 or 866-740-4740. All right, Brad, well, listen, thanks for that, and we'll see, uh, we'll see what happens. Maybe we'll get uh, some other witnesses to that. Yeah, thank you very much, Richard. I appreciate it, Brad, up in Collingwood. Interesting series of lights on Highway 26 on Saturday night. Anyone else see it? Would love to hear from you. All right, let's uh, check in next with our uh, our good friend, media scientist Nelson Thal. Hey, Nelson, how are you?
3: Very good, Richard. How are you doing tonight?
0: Very well, thank you. And I had a suspicion you might call it being the uh, well. We're closing in on the 45th anniversary of the uh, of the uh, lunar landing, and you have uh, you and I have done a number of shows over the years on on that particular event.
3: We have, and um, we ended the last show with a terrific quote from the Bible, from Scripture, uh, Psalm one fifteen sixteen, 16, which says, The heaven, even the heavens are the Lord's, but the earth he has given to the children of men. And um, it sort of does give a great <clears throat> example of the constraints that were placed on mankind. And, of course, this has always been talked about by people, scientists in NASA, and it basically is about the Van Allen Belt and the impossibility to get beyond the Van Allen Belt and survive the radiation for both man and computers.
0: Right, right. I mean, I'm, I'm familiar with the Van Allen Belts. And as you know, Nelson, you and I have talked about this over the years. I'm, I happen to believe that we, we, um, we put man on the moon. However, I will say this it's always bugged me. When, why haven't we gone back since 1973? 40 years, and we still haven't gone back. Number one. Number one, number two, we're told uh, and we're assured that the Chinese and, and uh, perhaps uh, in, um, in India uh, are working on a joint program uh, that they are very close to putting a man on the moon. If China is not able to land a man on the moon, let's say within the next five to ten years, I would say that would give a great deal of credence to what you're saying. If they can't do it and we haven't been there in 40 years – One has to wonder why not, and maybe the answer is, we never were there.
3: Well, I don't think we were there, and the thing is this. The Russians were ahead of us all along. The Russians put the first man in orbit, the first man in space, uh, the first space station. Uh, All of a sudden, we came out of nowhere, supposedly went to the moon, and the Russians didn't equal it and continue it. Uh, and when we follow the money, and Sherman Skolnick and others followed the money, the money went to Bell Helicopters and to Zebra Imaging, and it went to all sorts of other companies that built basically the high frontier uh, Star Wars uh, um, particle beam network that they're relying on today that's, similar to the iron dome being used by the israelis to protect themselves so when you follow the money the money did not go to anything and even the flimsy lunar module. And, you know, this isn't the matter of debatable interpretation, Richard, and it's not my idea or yours, but we've had top NASA scientists. We even had um, a scientist who had been in the Bush administration on who just talked about how it, there are so many reasons scientific why it can't be done. But this was a big hoax, a big heist. And if they tell us they're going to the Mars, it means they're looking for an excuse to steal more money from the American people's pockets. And the question is, what do they intend to do with that money?
0: Well, um, you know, we also, of course, uh, we're all scratching our heads wondering uh, why certain astronauts who supposedly landed on the moon and, of course, Buzz Aldrin has always been very vocal, but uh, you know the first person to to set foot on the moon, uh, we're all familiar with his stony silence and the fact that that he rarely spoke about uh, you know what he saw on the moon, and and some some took that recalcitrance uh, to suggest that um, you know he 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 didn't want to lie about it anymore.
1: Yeah.
3: And uh, let's not forget Dr. Morgan Reynolds, who was in the Bush administration right, came on the show with you and and uh, and he was a a scientist as well in the Bush administration talked about how it it's impossible to beat the radiation and getting to the moon uh, for a man, and none of the astronauts got cancer. You know, I mean, really, when you start to go through the real story about it, and people should take a look at the the, the um, kubrick uh, the the, um, the Kubrick film because Kubrick was used to fake the moon landing, and NASA asked for kubrick 's camera that he used in space odyssey two thousand and one, in which he made it look like they were on the moon it 's interesting that NASA used that camera and requested and ask Kubrick if they could use the camera. you got to wonder, why would NASA want Kubrick's camera? There's, and, of course, that's just one of many, many different dots that line up that, that show that this thing never really did happen.
0: Well, uh, I mean, at this point, Nelson, I'm, I mean, I'm on the record of saying I believe we did land on the moon. However, as I say, let's wait a few years. And if, if China is not able to land somebody on the moon, India... Some of these joint programs with some of the brick nations are talking about putting a man on the moon within the next few years. If that doesn't happen, I'm going to have to come to you and do the mea culpa.
3: Well, the Hubble telescope could easily long ago have zeroed in and shown us if these guys had landed on the moon and taken off, these guys would have shown us the the uh, the Americans love to show these things. They would have shown us the landing pad that's still there. It's been 45 years. We've still well, of course the Hubble is not 45 years old, but when the, the minute the Hubble came out, they could have shown us pictures of it from the, that's true. from it, the, and they've never shown us a thing. And uh, even they could have even photoshopped it and faked it, which I'm sure at some point that's what's coming. All but, right. We want to make sure that in years to come, people will remember that we were not fooled here at The Conspiracy Show.
0: Nelson, my friend, always a pleasure. Thanks. Talk soon. We'll have lunch. Nelson Thal. All right, when we come back, Rosemary Ellen Guiley, our paranormal investigator, contributor to The Conspiracy Show and our paranormal news roundup. Back with more. Stay with us. Take a look around. What do you really see? This is where you can tell all about it. This is The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett. Rosemary Ellen Guiley is one of the leading experts on the paranormal with more than 50 books published by major houses on a wide range of paranormal, spiritual, and mystical topics, including nine single-volume encyclopedias. Her work is translated into 15 languages, and she's worked full-time in the paranormal since 1983. Rosemary Ellen Guiley, how are you?
2: Doing well, Richard. Things are busy this time of year. I'm getting ready to go out to Arizona to speak at a conference on afterlife communications, which is one of my favorite areas of research.
0: Sure, sure. You you wrote a a phenomenal book, uh, Talking to the Dead with George Norrie.
2: That, and then Dream Messages from the Afterlife. So I'll be talking about different ways that we can communicate with the dead And uh, we're going to have a good crowd there. There are some uh, well-known mediums who are coming, some scientists who are doing some research. I'm quite excited about it. Oh,
0: I wish I could be there with you next time, perhaps. Listen, speaking of uh, communication with the, the spirit world, an amazing story, really quite shocking, out of Mexico, where we have a report of a Mexican orphan who took shamanic drugs in order to contact her dead parents with a Ouija board.
2: This is such a sad case. It's tragic because it involves almost every no-no in the paranormal. One, she's an an underage person. She's only in her teens, 16. And that's an age that kids should not be messing around with the occult. And uh, plenty of them do get into trouble with the Ouija board. So she's orphaned. She's trying to contact her dead parents. She's got crazy people who are telling her to take drugs and use a Ouija board. Uh, hallucinogenic drugs on top of it it's it was insane and um, this was a very powerful uh, plant drug that she used that was well known to induce horrific visions and she had a complete breakdown which uh, of course then people around her blamed on spirit possession that a demon had come into her she was convulsing and speaking gibberish taken to the hospital and yes, in cases like this where a person has a complete breakdown and uh, drugs are involved, this is an opportunity for negative spirits to come in and, and take hold of someone. The people who, who urged her to do this, they're the ones that really should be held accountable.
0: These were her guardians, I believe, were they not?
2: They were, and they convinced her and two others, uh, her brother and a cousin, to take the drugs and then use a Ouija board to try and contact the dead parents. Uh, Well, the Ouija board is problematic enough, and uh, in my book, Ouija Gone Wild, which you and I have talked about on a number of occasions, we have so many stories in that book of people who have gotten themselves into big trouble by improperly using the Ouija board. So you've got kids who are desperate, don't really know how to use the board in the first place, and then you combine deadly drugs on top of it. It's really a, a very tragic story.
0: Well, her guardians believe that she still may be possessed. And as you say, this, this drug, which I'd not heard of, it's called brugmansia, and the uh, these trumpet flowers, as you say, very poisonous, and they can induce very dark hallucinations. So what's your determination on this, Rosemary? Is this an authentic case of spirit possession, or is this merely the work of, of, of this hallucinogenic drug?
2: We'll have to wait and see on that, because... The visions that uh, one experiences on this kind of drug, and this drug is used for spirit visioning to contact the spirit world, and even in adults it can be a very dangerous thing to do, we'll have to wait and see how she does over a period of time. And after all the effects of the drug have, have worn off, if she's still having uh, like nightmares and feels that something's inside of her, then we do have a case of genuine possession. At the very least, she may have experienced temporary possession. What happens when someone has a complete breakdown like that and they view something that also breaks down the barrier to the spirit world, a very powerful entity can jump in. And Then you've got the Ouija board on top of it, which attracts dangerous kinds of entities. So, it is a mix for an ongoing possession problem. What also astonished me about this story was uh, the guardians went to a priest to ask for, for help, and he said no, because the kids were not regular churchgoers. Oh, my. How is that being spiritual and, uh, you know, a shepherd of, of human beings? No,
0: that's horrible. I mean, he is, he's sworn to to minister. Yeah, that's terrible. That's terrible. Rosemary Ellen Guiley is with us, and uh, we're conducting our monthly Paranormal News Roundup. I have to talk to, to you about this. This is an ongoing story. Uh, I remember a few years ago, uh, in fact, I, was, I, I covered the story. There was a hum, a strange humming noise in, in uh, Windsor, in the Windsor-Detroit area. And uh, nobody could come up with a, uh, an answer as to what was causing this ear-ringing uh, low hum. Uh, now we're getting reports uh, from all over the world, from uh, New Mexico all the way over to Somerset, England. Uh, there's an interesting story in the Plymouth Herald in the U.K. about this mystery hum, which is driving sufferers mad.
2: It's, it's a really weird case. And I got interested in these hums, too, back when the Taoist hum was um, getting a lot of attention. And then uh, a couple of years ago, a mystery hum was reported in Seattle, the city where I grew up, and that really piqued my curiosity. Well, I found in my research that reports of these mystery hums go clear back to the 1840s when they were documented in London. And as you said, Richard, they have been reported all over the world. This is like a low-level rumbling noise. People often liken it to machinery or a diesel engine that's idling, and nobody can ever find the source. There have been a few cases where It has been tracked down. Down in Australia, someone even proposed that it was the mating call of some kind of fish, which (laughs) I thought was really wild.
0: That is the the wildest uh, (laughs) uh, potential answer I've ever heard. Listen, let, let let me take a quick time out. We'll come back and we'll continue to talk about this mystery hum being heard all over the world. Rosemary Ellen Guiley right here on The Conspiracy Show. Stay with us. You're listening to The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett. And we are back with Rosemary Ellen Guiley conducting our monthly paranormal news roundup. And I don't know if this fits necessarily into the realm of the paranormal, uh, but it, we don't have an, an, an answer as to what's causing this mysterious hum all over the world. And it's, there are YouTube videos all over the place, uh, people recording this. No one can figure out what's causing it.
2: There are different frequencies reported, even though people always describe it as a low, rumbling kind of sound. And people have speculated that it's been some sort of earth energy, like maybe uh, shifting tectonic plates or something like that. Uh, The thing that's really interesting to me here, uh, which may point to a paranormal explanation, is the fact that people become ill from it. So many people report that they're disturbed by the noise. They can't get it out of their heads. They get headaches. They feel nauseated. Their sleep is disrupted. So it's a detrimental kind of sound. And uh, if there were entities, hostile entities around, they could be alien beings that we might call ETs, or the jinn, or demonic entities. Uh, one way to uh, to wreak havoc with people would be to uh, use something that uh, a weapon that would make people sick and uh, sound is very powerful in that regard it can have a tremendous effect on the body there's been so much research about how different frequencies affect us on a cellular sure. level sure tesla not was not all about that level.
0: sure nikola tesla uh, was all about that
2: absolutely and and we've had even people speculating that this is part of the conspiracy that it's uh you know the the government the illuminati the military experimenting with ways to manipulate people but um we don't have a natural explanation, so it's to me it's very logical to look for paranormal ones. And the first thing that I think of uh, is uh, the ability of hostile entities to manipulate things in our environment, which they do very well in haunting phenomena. So why not manipulate sound? Uh, to literally make people sick and drive them crazy.
0: I, I suppose that's a possibility. I, I, I'm right now leaning towards uh, an explanation that has to do with some sort of a weapon. Back in the Cold War, apparently, uh, the U.S. Navy uh, developed something called TACAMO. It was uh, a take charge and move out, and it was used so military leaders could communicate with American submarines, land-based missiles, and long-range bombers. Uh so who knows maybe they're firing this up it could be part of some sort of a s- psychological warfare experiment or uh yeah maybe they're just trying to drive people crazy see what if they can control their minds
2: it makes sense as a weapon and we even have accounts in mythology look at uh, Odysseus and the sirens yes uh that you could not sail past the islands that were guarded by these sirens who ma- made these sounds that were so piercing that if human ears heard them um, the, the people would be rendered insane. And uh, so when his ship is, is passing by the sirens, he instructs his men to cover their ears so they won't hear the siren call. Uh, so it's been well known since ancient times that sound can uh, be used to destroy people.
0: Got to talk to you about this. Uh, this is a chilling story. It, it takes place in Singapore, and uh, someone left a child's doll. On the side of the road, it was found blindfolded, again, on the side of the road. And the legend is that if you, if you come across this doll, you're not to remove its blindfold or else you could find it following you home. Is this thing possessed, Rosemary?
2: It could very well be. And even though this story has uh, some of the hallmarks of urban legend to it, uh, instant urban legend, we do find these things on the internet, there's still a body of literature and experience and folklore behind this to give it a lot of credence. Dolls are among the most commonly haunted objects. And uh, there are various reasons why. They're, they're duplicates of people. They're substitutes for people. And uh, when children play with them, they give them personalities. And... Humans regard them as the same way. Uh, I have many stories in my own case files about uh, people who acquire dolls secondhand, and they say the dolls come to life, they move around on their own, they give them nightmares, uh, they create poltergeist disturbances. And uh, so this doll really does fit into that category. What's interesting about this case is that uh, the doll is, is supposed supposed to be blindfolded. It's been found blindfolded, and that's to prevent the doll from uh, following somebody home. And uh, this is uh, also documented in Simple magic that if you take a substitute for a person like a doll or a puppet, and you want to put a curse on them, you would mutilate the doll in some way that then the person would feel that in those parts of the body. For example, if you slash the palms of the doll's hands, then the person would feel the same. So the doll then, uh, what, what happens to the doll is transferred to the person. So if the doll is blindfolded, then like a person, it's, uh, it, it can't go anywhere. And uh, so its sympathetic magic link is, is then stopped. Um, how, how much of these uh, cases uh, that have been reported with this doll are actually true or you know, sort of fabricated as things go around on the Internet? Uh, it's hard to say, but it does have a basis in paranormal fact.
0: Well, there, there are reports that this doll, blindfolded and found on the side of the road, uh, speaks in a woman's voice and is able to move of its on its own accord.
2: And believe it or not, I've had cases like that, especially clown dolls. There's Ugh. something about clown dolls that people find to be terrifying. The
0: worst they are.
2: And uh, you know we have that in movies too. You know, like the uh, the ventriloquist dolls and uh, the talking dolls that start talking on their own. Killer clown dolls. Um, Stephen King uh, made um, what was that doll's name? The killer clown doll, Pennywise, I think, uh, famous in uh, in one of his novels. Right,
0: and it was Chucky. Uh, Chuck so, Ian.
2: and and I ha- I have had people tell me that that. Um, they they get these dolls and then there's something strange about the dolls and paranormal phenomena erupts in the house and sometimes they hear audible voices coming from another room they go in the room there's the doll uh, or they hear the voices in their heads so here again we we have a basis in real experience for what has been attributed to this doll
0: all right and finally rosemary you know, one of the longest unsolved murder mysteries of, of all time, of course, we're talking about uh, Jack the Ripper, uh, who uh, terrorized his, uh, his victims and, and, and much of the notorious East End of London uh, and was able to elude detectives for, for more than a century. Now, criminologists are saying they think they know where Jack the Ripper lived. They've, they've narrowed it down to the actual
2: street. It makes sense what they did, because they've used techniques in criminal forensics to identify the location of uh, of, sus- of uh, who might be a suspect in serial uh, murder cases, where uh, they know that uh, most serial killers have certain patterns, they operate within a certain distance of their home, there's always a buffer zone around the home, and uh, through pinpointing things on a map, uh, they can narrow things down. The sad thing about this story, though, Richard, is that there's no more flower in Dean Street, uh, which is the alleged street where they think the the actual murderer lived because uh, it was bombed out in World War II. And so unless they are literally willing to do archaeological uh, excavations, uh, where are they going to find the evidence that could pinpoint an actual person? Uh, Um, This was such a slummy area of London, and there were so many transients, how are you going to nail it down to a single person?
0: Brothels, so we're opium dents. tantalizingly
2: close, but not there.
0: Right, right. Uh, the, the police, in the original Ripper police reports, talked about Flower and Dean Street as the foulest, most dangerous street in the whole metropolis. So it found
2: it horrible, and there were so many prostitutes in the area, too, uh, and um Crime, you know, uh, people uh, being robbed on the street and, and uh, attacked and mugged. Um, and, of course, all those murders. Well, there's only five murders that have uh, are officially linked to Jack the Ripper. Uh, but a lot of murders did take place around that same time frame in, I think it was, 19 or excuse me, 1888. Um, a paranormal angle here. Oh. Uh, I do believe that a lot of serial killers are possessed and that uh, they uh, listen to something that motivates them to do their crime. In fact, I was um, interviewed for psychology today, for the online uh, psychology today, uh, on was Ted Bundy uh, possessed by a demon uh, or a djinn or something like that. And uh, one can make the case that uh, they are under some sort of paranormal influence. Charles Manson, another example, son of Sam, even admitted that, some demonic entity talked through his dog.
0: Sure, Mark David uh, Chapman. Told him. Mark David Chapman talked about having a, a spontaneous exorcism in his, his jail cell. Uh, I, I think there is something to that. Listen, Rosemary, always a pleasure, Uh and uh, we will talk again next month. Happy travels. You're off to Arizona.
2: Thank you. It's going to be hot there, Richard.
0: <laughs> All right, lots of sunscreen. Enjoy.
2: Thank you. Good night.
0: Good night. Rosemary Ellen Guiley. Always a pleasure to hear from Rosemary. Uh, Rosemary and I have talked in the past about uh, uh, people who buy haunted houses uh, because there are a number of states and a number of provinces, I believe, in Canada where real estate agents are obligated by law to tell a prospective buyer whether a house is haunted, whether or not you believe in in the paranormal uh, or or not. It's the law. And I was just noting uh, recently on 2020... They interviewed a real estate agent by the name of Cindy Hagley, and she's based in California, and she runs a realty called Past Life Homes, and it specializes in the selling of so-called what they call stigmatized properties, which includes haunted houses. And you'd be surprised how many there are people are lining up to buy haunted houses. Cindy says right now we're in a seller's market in almost all of Northern California, You can have a dead body swinging from the chandelier and I'm still going to have 10 offers on the phone, she says. Hagley says plenty of houses for sale come with supposed tenants of the supernatural type who've allegedly lived there for hundreds of years. In some states, as I say, including California, realtors are required by law to tell buyers if a home purportedly has ghostly inhabitants. But even after telling potential buyers that the house is haunted, Hagley says many are still interested. Some don't care, and some expect a huge discount, she says. Now, get this. A Realtor.com survey found that 62% of Americans, 62% of Americans would consider buying a haunted house, while 35% think they've lived in a haunted house. All right. Back next week with a brand new show. Jim Fetzer will be along. To, oh, you got to listen to this one. Some shocking details Jim Fetzer on the Sandy Hook Elementary School shooting he says it's total flammery. here we are a year and a half after Sandy Hook and uh, the evidence he says that that shooting never took place is overwhelming that's Jim Fetzer also listen for me on Coast to Coast on Saturday July the 19th and Sunday July the 20th the 19th and the 20th I'll be hosting Coast to Coast but I'll be right here on the Conspiracy Show as well in the meantime Don't be afraid. There's nothing concealed that won't be revealed and nothing hidden that won't be made known. What you hear in the dark, speak in the light, what I say in a whisper, proclaim from the housetops. Move over, Aphrodite. I'm coming home. Good night.